Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. From your reporting, Lara, it seems to me like for basically two decades, the big decisions about U.S. policy in Afghanistan have come from the Pentagon, the top military leaders in the country. Is that right? That is certainly the trend of the last 20 years. You've had two presidents in a row, President Obama and President Trump, that have kind of campaigned on the premise of getting out of Afghanistan. They have tried to get out of Afghanistan. Tonight, I'd like to tell you how we will complete our mission and end the war in Afghanistan. My original instinct was to pull out. And the generals and military brass has managed to convince them every time to leave at least a few thousand perhaps even more than that, troops. But all my life, I've heard that decisions are much different when you sit behind the desk in the Oval Office. So they have certainly had outsized influence over the past couple of presidents. We cannot continue the cycle of extending or expanding our military presence in Afghanistan, hoping to create ideal conditions for the withdrawal and expecting a different result. This time, however, was a bit different. I've concluded that it's time to end America's longest war. It's time for American troops to come home. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today... Many kids in Afghanistan now were not even born when the September 11th attacks happened and the American people has certainly lost sight of why we were there in the first place. So I think... Historically, it's a big moment, and for President Biden, too, it's it's a really big moment for him. Pentagon reporter Lara Seligman on how President Biden and his team overrode the military's top brass on Afghanistan, and despite warnings, decided to announce the impending end of a seemingly endless war. Well, Biden has had a long history working on Afghanistan, even going back to the Obama administration. I was sent by the president before we got sworn in to Afghanistan to come back with a report. I said there was no comprehensive policy available. And then I got in a big fight for a long time with the Pentagon because I strongly opposed the nation building notion. He advocated for a smaller troop presence in Afghanistan. So this was always going to be something that he focused on in his presidency. Mm -hmm. He also made a very important choice in his defense secretary, which was former four-star general Lloyd Austin, who actually oversaw the Iraq withdrawal during the Obama administration. And he worked very closely with Biden on that withdrawal. Hmm. Biden chose Austin over several other top candidates, including Michelle Flournoy, who was the Pentagon policy chief under Obama and who actually argued, uh, sided with the generals in trying to keep troops on the ground in Afghanistan. So this choice of Lloyd Austin showed that Biden saw this coming and he knew that Austin would sort of execute his policy and he could oversee such a drawdown that he was going to plan. Hmm. So this is something that Biden was planting the seeds of for some time. Yes. So how do we get from this point of of seeds of, of planning to his actual announcement? Tell me the story of how Biden did what his predecessors didn't and went against the military advice. 
So when he first took over office, he began this review process, reviewing American policy in Afghanistan. He held many meetings with his military advisors, as well as his Secretary of State and his National Security Advisor. And that would be Secretary of State Antony Blinken and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, who are not part of the military brass. Yep. And he he heard them out. And they all sort of had different takes on it. The generals, for example, General Mark Milley, who's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, as well as the four stars in charge of Central Command, U.S. Forces Afghanistan, and Special Forces Command, they all argued emphatically, as they have done for a long time, to keep a small residual presence in Afghanistan, to keep the Taliban in check and prevent Afghanistan from becoming a haven for terrorists. Secretary Lloyd Austin, he is also a former four-star general. He also sided with the generals and um, argued to keep a residual force presence. Huh. So even the guy who Biden seems to have handpicked to help oversee a withdrawal from Afghanistan, he's saying, don't do this. Yeah. But on the other hand, Biden's other most close and trusted advisors, Blinken and Jake Sullivan, they argued for diplomacy first, and they agreed with his premise that it's time to leave Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. So he he had many lengthy meetings with these members of his team. Uh, Secretary Austin actually even traveled to Afghanistan recently to speak with President Ghani there. And as sort of a final step, he, he called some of his predecessors, President Obama and President George W. Bush, to sort of get their opinion. And in the end, he made the decision that we all thought he was going to make all along. War in Afghanistan was never meant to be a multi-generational undertaking. We were attacked. We went to war with clear goals. We achieved those objectives. Bin Laden is dead and Al-Qaeda is degraded in Afghanistan. And it's time to end the forever war. So on Wednesday of last week, that announcement officially comes. Biden says the U.S. will withdraw all troops by September 11th of this year, the 20th anniversary of the attacks that first drew us into the war. This was the first time since then that military leaders have ultimately been overridden on this. Did they feel at all blindsided or like they weren't listened to here? I don't think they were blindsided. I think that they probably knew that this was coming. And all my sources say that all of these people were listened to. But I do think they felt a little sidelined. Hmm. Afghanistan, as you know, is a very large mountainous country. It's a nine-hour flight from Qatar and other Middle Eastern bases that we have. So if we don't have guys on the ground in Afghanistan, it's really difficult to do any intel collection, any operations at all. So the most pressing concern with pulling out is that terrorist groups such as al-Qaeda and more so the Islamic State will have these vast ungoverned spaces in Afghanistan that we will really have no way of policing them on. And the concern is that Afghanistan will once again become a launching pad for terrorist plots. As someone who's analyzing these choices and listening to the folks on both sides, do you think the military fear here is 
on point? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think that certainly when we leave, the Taliban is going to reassert itself even more than they have been doing already. They have gained the upper ground militarily. They are taking over more and more spaces inside Afghanistan, particularly urban areas and key population centers. The Afghan government is just weaker and weaker. The Afghan National Security Forces really can't fend off these attacks, honestly, even with us there. So that concern is definitely valid. It's also a valid concern that terrorist groups will find a breeding ground in Afghanistan once we're gone. Given all of that, given the risks, why did Biden and his close advisors decide that leaving this year is the right call? I think that Biden and his close advisors, first of all, they want to focus on domestic policy and on COVID, on fighting the pandemic, on infrastructure. And they know that Americans are tired of this endless war in Afghanistan and they want to get out. They think the time is right to get out. And they make a really good point that the conditions-based approach that previous administrations had always used to try to withdraw from Afghanistan never worked. There's never going to be a good time to leave Afghanistan. There's always going to be something that comes next that is going to be bad. I'm now the fourth United States president to preside over American troop presence in Afghanistan. Two Republicans, two Democrats. I will not pass this responsibility onto a fifth At some point, you just have to draw a line and say, you know, how much more blood, sweat and tears are we going to spend on this endless war? That's interesting. So it's not even necessarily that there were people on one side saying don't take troops out because there's a risk and others saying there isn't. It's more so that Biden and his allies are acknowledging the military's warning of the potential for Taliban violence, the potential for terrorist groups to thrive. But still, in their eyes, you know, even if there is risk, this war needs to come to an end. I think so. And I think also something that's important is that we have degraded the terrorist threat over the past 20 years. Al-Qaeda is nowhere near as strong as it was when we we went in. Uh Uh-huh. ISIS, the same thing. We've very much degraded their influence um, in the Middle East as well as in Afghanistan. So I think that's a good point, And that's one that the Biden administration has made. Also, the terrorist threat is not just confined to Afghanistan and the Middle East now. It's really everywhere. We see ISIS pop up in Indonesia. It's in Africa. And we have we have people there. We have special forces there to do counterterrorism in, in those countries. So, you know, it's it's a global problem. And taking a few thousand American troops out of Afghanistan is not going to be sort of the nail in the coffin. Lara Seligman, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you for having me. Also today, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is cracking down on debt collectors to stop them from forcing renters from their homes during the nationwide eviction ban instituted during the pandemic. The agency issued a new rule on Monday requiring debt collectors to notify tenants of their rights under the CDC's moratorium on evictions, warning that collectors who evict tenants could face prosecution. According to the CFPB, about 9 million households are currently behind on rental payments. 
And Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is facing criticism from the left after naming a former private equity investor to be the department's first ever climate counselor. On Monday, Yellen announced that John Morton, who used to work in the Obama White House as a senior director for energy and climate change and also was a private equity investor with Global Environment Fund, will lead the department's new climate hub in a high-profile position that'll be key to the agency's sweeping efforts to combat climate change. News of Yellen's pick immediately came under fire from environmental activists who want the Biden administration to take a harder line with Wall Street firms that finance fossil fuel producers. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, check out some of our other shows like The Playbook Audio Briefing, Politico Energy, and a brand new show coming this Friday called Playbook Deep Dive. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.